in a minute. Yes, welcome. Welcome, this is yeah. The uh, Anxious in Austin and Elsewhere um, podcast. Uh-huh. I am Dr. Marianne Stout of the Anxiety Treatment Center of Austin. This is my and, illustrious colleague. Yeah, Dr. Thomas Smithyman. Welcome, I guess, back to the podcast. It's been it's been a while, right, since we did one. I know. It, uh, I think we plan to do it so regularly, and then things mm-hmm. things happen. It's different this year, though. This year, we're going to be regular. This is our resolution. Yeah. It was actually. I went on a trip last week, and I was I was uh-huh. journal on the airplane, and I was thinking about like what do I want to do this year and that was one of the things it's like I wanted to work on having kind of some more um, organization in the podcast and put some more yeah regularity to it so yeah there you go tell me the the genesis of this idea of yours this is kind of because you are my friend and colleague expert in social anxiety I treat social anxiety but it is not my I guess like the number one uh disorder that comes across you know, into my office. Um, and I've had some clients recently, actually one is a long-term client, but where it's come up, this idea of um, being less filtered in what you're talking about and how, when we kind of practice that as an exercise to kind of be mm-hmm. a little less filtered, even like being kind of so oddly specific of like, let's, you know, 50% less filtered, right? Like that's so, seems so ambiguous, but resonated. Uh-huh how helpful that was for, I'm thinking of like two clients in particular, um, just how much more they enjoyed their interactions, how, um, it, you know, those predictions that anxiety made of how they were gonna say something offensive or terrible or weird didn't come true. And yeah, just so I, I remember talking about that a lot with you, especially like in the group that we used to do together, of mm-hmm. that being like a, an exercise you practiced with clients. And just was like, this is really pretty, amazing um i want to kind of get your your take on it being more of an expert in this this area i mean i think that's cool and i'm glad that i'm glad that you're uh i don't know working on that with people yeah well and i think that like we've talked a little bit before about like vulnerability work and Mm -hmm. how you know how that correlates with like some shame pieces too but just i think like it's important to I don't know. I just thought maybe that's not something I think that people talk about as much in anxiety work. Um, it could be helpful for us to kind of delve into a bit, like why it's important and um, what you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 great. So, yeah. yeah, I guess, like, I did less, you know, full disclosure, full disclosure, <laughs> I did less Self research. disclosure on this part of it is because I you know when you are really into an area um you know just so much of the ins and outs of that specific topic and I feel like Mm -hmm. even that even just knowing some of the nomenclature of like well what do you call this it's not called as I was telling you before like it's not called the mental filter that's a very specific cognitive distortion that's just CBT Uh like that's not this so what is it even Uh called for research on this um so yeah, it's just not something I'm as well versed in. So uh huh, uh huh. Well, I yeah, I I have uh, I got plenty of resources on this one, so it's, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, and so the 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 idea of like what your clients were looking to do was to be less filtered and show more of the self and be like more authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. In one client's case, oh, it kind of spans across areas right I'd say for both of them it was in professional settings but also mm-hmm. in like romantic and dating settings yeah. um for one it was even like within like family you know how to talk with family and be yeah, yeah. um more authentic without like this fear of if I don't say the right thing they're gonna think I'm a loser or something yeah. especially as like around the holidays and right you're gonna be seeing mm. more extended family that you don't see on a regular basis and yeah. Come across well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so this this is I think it's interesting because um, that filtering, like, like the safety behavior of filtering, like oh I should, what am I going to say? Am I going to say the right thing? Let me filter it out. Let me pass everything through that filter before it gets said. Um, outside of just avoidance, 
I think that's the most common um, safety behavior in social anxiety. Really? Just like, yeah, just, I mean, because it's, I mean, if you think about it, right, it's the, it's the core of social anxiety. The core of social anxiety Filtering who you is are. not, yeah, it's not, not expressing or being vulnerable as to who you truly are to people. Yeah, yeah, not showing your authentic self because of the fear of what um, people will think and how people will respond and that, that it'll be judged and rejected. Like that's, you know, that's the, the core of the whole thing. And I mean, the core of it's not the feeling of anxiety. The core of it is the decision to cut the self off and not, not show it to people. Um, and the reason like, like that's, it's such a big deal. Um, but the reason it gets us into sort of this social anxiety disorder territory is um, that is the major vehicle for connection. Yeah. Is the revealing of the self. If you don't reveal the self, you can't connect, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like this fake you. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing to connect with. Like I I use the example sometimes of like all the safety behaviors and protections in social anxiety are like putting on this like suit of armor so that you're protected. But it's really hard to connect with people when you're in a suit of armor. You like walk around all clunkily and like no one sees what's happening and it's just okay it's it's meant to prevent like rejection but it it prevents connection so yeah. this is it's a really really it's really really a big deal it's it's the core of this stuff mm-hmm yeah I mean that that makes a lot of sense right this idea yeah that if they if they don't know me they can't hurt me uh-huh yeah piece of it mm-hmm yeah, yeah, it's 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 the it's the that sort of trap I think a lot of times of social anxiety that people are sort of starting to wear of after a while. I'm doing this. I'm not showing my true self. I'm filtering. I'm cutting off um, to protect myself. But uh, I'm not. I'm not getting. I don't. I don't have connections. I don't have relationships. I'm not dating. I can tell I'm not getting the things that I really care and want. It's not working, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because um, what what you really want is connection, mm -hmm. and it cuts off connection, and that's kind of the the yeah, it's working uh, it's working not very well or too well depending on how you think about it. Sure, yeah. I mean, I talk about that all the time with clients with like OCD of like its goal is to keep you safe, right? Is to put you in this bubble, and yes, maybe you're going to be a little safer because you're not whatever encountering germs or whatever it might be, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but what kind of life are you keeping protected if it's, if it's in this bubble? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You, you were giving up, you giving up too much. Yeah. Part of yeah. having like a value rich life is having some risk. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the, um, like our goal really is that those those protections are causing more problems than they're solving. Mm -hmm. And you know, in the the treatment, you know, that's what we're trying to do is like pull down all these protections, drop all the protections, show the self, become vulnerable because um, it it makes you less anxious. Well, and it makes but it also makes you connect with people. Yeah, it makes me think of that. Um earlier podcast we did on relationships right that even like that minimal social interaction piece mm -hmm. how helpful that was for like so many crazy things you know like longevity and like all uh -huh. happiness and so many like just even physiological health right this like yeah. how important human relationships are to our well-being you know physically emotionally yeah. you know mm -hmm. the whole of us and so, yeah, totally. you're kind of saying, like, I'm not going to have that. It's going to be pretty painful. Yeah, because it's, it's the most, it's the thing we want the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the, like, that filtering and cutting off what you're saying, like, that's, that's sort of, that's a, I guess, a more specific micro version. But the wider frame is basically authenticity and showing the self and self-disclosing, right? Like the... um the 
the mutual self-disclosure model of connection, which which I like refer to a lot, is this idea that you start off yeah. really high, <laughs> and as one person self-discloses, they they drop a little deeper, and the other person accepts it, and that has moved the relationship a little bit deeper, and then if in turn that the second person they also self-disclose reciprocate and then you accept it you know meaning don't dismiss it don't ignore yeah. it don't criticize Validate it, it. Mm-hmm. yeah over time there's this deepening of a relationship that comes from each person taking the risk of self-disclosing and then having the other person accept it instead of shooting them down mm-hmm. so that is the that's the engine self-disclosure is the engine of connection and what that filtering or hiding the self does is it it puts the brakes on the um, that engine so you just stop connecting. Mm-hmm. So you end up with no relationships or shallow relationships, people that don't actually know you. Sure. And I think yeah. there's often this fear too of like, okay, I could do it, but if I did it, I'd, I'd disclose everything or I wouldn't know what that like appropriate level of self-disclosures because uh-huh. I've had that with clients that are like, oh, but yeah. I need to be professional at work and if I am, you know, take off that filter, I'm going to be so inappropriate at work and talking about like that, like, you yeah. know, you you know what's appropriate and kind of testing it out. Like, totally. you know. Agreed. You know appropriate. You know, yeah. like when you're talking to your grandmother, you're not dropping F-bombs left and right. You know, <laughs> it's not because you're working <laughs> yeah. so hard because you want to say all these yeah. F-bombs kind of thing. Like, yeah. there, there's a difference between... I'm going to be like, yeah, wildly offensive. Yeah. Maybe a little more authentic. You know, that's, and that's actually that, that's how I, I put it when people are working on that filtering thing. This idea of like, if we're working on it as an exercise, it will be, um, don't filter except blatantly offensive things. Because it's really obvious what's blatantly offensive. Whereas like, oh, is, it, is this going to have me liked more? Or like, what if they disagree with this? Or what if they have a different opinion? And well, you've got to be broadening up and actually showing that stuff in order to see that people are pretty accepting of a, a whole range of different things. Outside mm-hmm. of blatantly offensive, that's going to... Sure. You're going you're gonna to need to pick and choose the right recipients of that. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so Yeah. The, the, I think it's important to talk about the, um, basically like the positives of self-disclosure because, why it's good. um, why we yeah, should do it. People who, who, yeah, who haven't been self-disclosing may not realize like that there's this idea of it being, you know, uh, dangerous, dangerous that, it, that I'll get into like, you know, more in, the, in like whatever uh, the future section here, but. Uh, I think it's really good to know that no, it's really actually very, it's it's very positive. So, um, when we self-disclose, um, other people like us more. Sure. That's just I think that's just the fundamentals. Of this 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 is where I talk about for social anxiety, it's counterproductive. People like it when we self-disclose. It give it gives them something to connect to, and when we self-disclose. Um, we like the other person more. Oh, even if you're just self-disclosing to somebody else, it makes you like uh-huh. them more? Uh-huh. Why would that be? I mean, I think probably because they're, they're allowing us to show they're ourselves. They're holding it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, so there's, there's also research too in that self-disclosing itself is um, reinforcing. Like, like we, we really like it. The, the, the dopamine pleasure centers light up from self-disclosing it might be scary but it's enjoyable for us to do it makes me think of that thing where they always will tell people like oh you want someone to like you ask them about themselves kind of thing like Mm -hmm. have them talk about themselves like people enjoy talking about themselves yeah Yeah, we we enjoyed that there was a study that's fairly recent where um people liked it so much that they would give up uh monetary rewards to be given the opportunity to, to talk about themselves. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of people who will talk about social media uh, with sure. evidence of like, yeah, look at that. Everyone loves Look at uh, this. Yeah, loves, that, that loves whole Mark Zuckerberg guy, right? Saying like, 
I saw that movie. Like, like everybody crazy. wants to, yeah, share about their lives. Yeah, it's very true. Very true. Yeah. So yeah, so there's like liking, um, like we like each other more, but it's also related to, um, like it fosters trust. I mean, that's what I think of so much with that that yeah. model, right? That deepening relationships idea is like, yeah, if I put myself out there, I say this to clients all the time, I put myself out there and someone is rejecting or flippant or just doesn't, you know, it's not held or supported, then yeah. that's as deep as the relationship's going to go. Right? Yeah, it's not going right. to go further. Like, or you'd be, it would be inappropriate to continue because they have shown you that they are not, they're not kind of worth it for the vulnerability, yeah. right? Like that's a, a yeah. poor return on investment there. Totally. Yeah, and and that sort of answers that question too of like, oh, should I self-disclose everything? Well, in general, like just like the model would be, you start at the surface and you work your way down. So somebody who's getting that deep, like where you're showing these deeper, more vulnerable parts of the self, they probably earned that. Yeah, it's taking by time. showing. Yeah, they've shown that they're accepting and caring. And reciprocating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, but I also find, like, and this is, you know, something I've noticed for myself. If people, are, like, share who they are and they're, they'll, like, bring up even, you know, like, kind of vulnerable stuff or, like, their, their like, negative traits or their foibles or their insecurities, like, you like them more. Mm-hmm. Like we really like connect and relate to that humanity. And certainly for me, like when that happens, you know, you mentioned that performance demand thing earlier on. Performance demands are high, we get anxious. If we feel like we have to come across like this perfect, perfect person, person, it makes us stressed out. It's why like people who display, I am perfect at all times can actually stress people out. As soon as you're like vulnerable then performance demands gets lowered down and I'm like, oh God, I can, I can sigh here. I can be myself, they're relatable. I'm like, oh, I'm allowed to show that I have all these vulnerabilities and insecurities and, um, I'm not perfect. Makes it much easier to be me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're very good at that, by the way, I think. I think you're good about (laughs) disclosing my my insecurities and (laughs) foibles. All, all, all your vulnerable stuff that just makes it, it makes it very easy, I think, for people to like, to like, uh, like oh, love, like, love oh okay, I, 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 I can relax now, you know. <laughs> She's far from perfect. <laughs> yeah, which I think puts people at ease, and it it does it like it makes you. I always find this from the past makes me want to reciprocate. As soon as somebody is like, kind of real and authentic in those ways makes me want to do the same sure like like it's very it's very bonding it makes you think of those um that game of uh most embarrassing moments where you you know share your most embarrassing moments and what is more connecting that than that mm-hmm. it's so connecting mm-hmm. yeah so it fosters trust right you trust somebody when you know more about them the less you know about them the harder the harder they are to trust right the more they reveal themselves yeah the more trustworthy they are um, but also it fosters that closeness. Yeah. If, if all someone's revealing like themselves that to That comparison piece, right? That I say like comparison is the thief of joy or like you'll always, you know, find somebody who can, has more money than you or can do something better than you piece, right? And yeah. how, how shameful that feels or how, um, mm-hmm. makes you feel so bad about yourself. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of the opposite of that, right? Thinking of like, well, you're yeah. not somebody I have to like work so hard to compare myself to and and live up to this standard like you're relatable you're you're normal peace and so i can totally yeah i can like you more i can be a little more myself totally and you know i I think of this you know in for us with like um in the work we do like I, i i don't know if this was at all in your training but i know like a lot of training there's this idea of like as a psychologist you've got to be this like doctor who knows everything and is the expert and tells everyone what to do and there's this idea of like you you certainly can't be can't tell them anything about anything and you gotta hide who you are and I've always just I've always hated that idea like to me it just feels like 
if you're like somebody's like doing all this disclosure for you and you're working on this stuff and you're like well tell you anything i'm i'm a doctor you know it, it just it just seems ridiculous to me so i've i've always been like no let's let's be humans then you can actually you actually can connect with humans sure yeah no i think that makes sense even of like when i was looking at doctoral programs sorry but a lot of clinical programs come from you know, that perspective. That's what and I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I did the counseling psychology route and worked under yeah. a feminist psychologist and a big part of feminist psychology is self-disclosure. So it's mm-hmm. really kind of using yourself and like relational models, use of self. Um, yeah. Like they did at the UT Counseling Center, right? Like that's their whole yeah. Yeah. therapy basis is use of self in therapy um, yeah. appropriately, right? Like that's so much of what the work is, is how to self-disclose yeah. in therapeutic sense that's helpful and appropriate you're not just yeah sharing to be somebody's buddy um mm-hmm. and yeah i think i was really drawn to that because i think um yeah i don't do well when there are super high performance demands <laughs> i think that pressure yeah. piece like isn't great for me so i knew pretty early on that that wasn't going to be a great fit yeah yeah that that feels much better for me i much prefer that um also, because I knew I wanted to be a therapist and not a researcher, so I wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, learn that piece of, like, that therapy approach was pretty important to me. Whereas if you're yeah. researching, like, you don't, you don't have to see what works best for connection and fit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're less relationally concerned, right? Yeah. 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 Sure. I think that, yeah. And, and, and I feel like, you know, pretty centered in your friendships and connections too you know that, that whole thing of like yeah how, how far down are we going to go here mm-hmm. how you know not not everyone's going to get all of you people have to really prove that and well yeah. i think that's also what i find a lot with people with social anxiety is this idea of like since there isn't much practice right with kind mm-hmm. of being less yeah. filtered of being like well sometimes you know when i try to connect it it backfires because there isn't much practice with how to give a little or how to give appropriately or take a step put a toe in the water and test Mm -hmm. it out and see how it went or somebody they're not reciprocating and yet i'm still being vulnerable yet i'm still sharing more and more and more even though the other person isn't sharing of themselves and so it's really kind of mismatched there and so that i think that's part of um i don't know if that's something you do a lot of work on but i feel like that's part of like even the training I do with clients when we have clients with social anxiety is like mm-hmm. how to practice being in a relationship because there's been so much protection yeah. um, and avoidance that there mm-hmm. there isn't as much experience with that piece. Yeah. I mean, that's that's also one of the benefits of doing therapy is like therapy is like, we, you know, we're, we're talking about this, but on a meta level, if you are coming in to work on things you are doing a lot of self-disclosure with with a person who is let's hope being very accepting <laughs> of uh of, of what you're saying yeah um, and so you get to practice revealing revealing more and more of yourself and having it be accepted and in starting to figure out how to do that like i kind of i know for like for for me that was very useful um from like when i was whatever early 20s like I did notice that like starting to do therapy practicing just by sort of self-disclosing like regularly and it feeling good and like going well I then noticed I was without even trying I just noticed oh I'm self-disclosing with my friends like a lot more I'm revealing like more and more of myself and whoa big things going on getting kind of loud there kind of loud there um be, yeah, like, like really more with friends and that would go as well and that, you know, like go well also and then it, it sort of became easier over time. And I've noticed that too with like um, friendships, like people that have done a lot of therapy over time, I, they, they self-disclose more. Hmm. It's easier, it's easier for, for them to do. Sure. Because they've been practicing it. Yeah. Yeah, it is like a muscle. Sure. Well, yeah. and... I mean, thinking of those like performance demands, right? Like that, that is so much of why people go into therapy, right? Is because they know this is a space where the contract is, I say 
you know, mm-hmm. what I want to say and you don't judge me for it. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's the exact opposite yeah. of my contract with watching Bravo TV is they get a lot of money and I judge <laughs> all day long. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, it's this yeah. idea that I and, can be more authentic yeah. knowing that I'm, it's going to be held or it's going to be supported. I'm not going to be yes. judged and rejected for what I say, no matter what I say. Totally. Yeah. And and that, that process of therapy, you know, it's a lot of times early on, is you're starting high and slowly revealing a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. Oh, my gosh. As, as it's safer and safer and safer to do. Yes. No, I've had yeah. clients where we've worked together for years and mm-hmm. it has taken years. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I've never told you this and I want to tell you this. And like, yeah. wow, okay, we have worked together for years and you haven't disclosed that until now. It's like, yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it is. It is. And I will say too, you know, that, that whole idea of um, like it, it feels really, it feels good to self-disclose. I think there is such a relief in doing it. Like, like some of the research around this too is that concealing things and not revealing is actually, it's effortful and it's painful. Yeah. And it's a relief to let go of it. I hadn't really made that connection before, but it's almost like, like secret keeping. Uh-huh. It right? Is. Like, like yeah. so much of that research on, on shame and secret keeping is like, yeah. yes, if I could tell someone else how... Mm-hmm. Um, helpful it is and so it does it feels like there's a secret about me that I don't want to tell other people even if it might not be like a you know objective secret but like showing some of myself or who I am or you know saying something that's not the you know most professional thing ever or whatever Mm -hmm. smartest sounding thing ever or funniest thing ever or what you know totally yeah not not needing to be up at this performance demand like bringing it down to this yeah even that is incredible you know that's that's one of the things that you know i'd always ask like people that i've treated for social anxiety when they're like um like graduating and moving on i'll ask them like what was most helpful you know those kind of things and one that comes up a lot is some version of Oh, it's so, it's just so relieving to know I don't have to like perform in this perfect way and do all these things. I can just say what I think and just do what feels right in the moment and that that goes fine. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest, like, like that's, the, that's that big shift you want. It's just that like, oh yeah, I can, unfiltered can just be who I am. Mm-hmm. Just say and be me. And even if it's not super interesting and not super funny and not, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Like a, the, the bulk of conversation is not super interesting and funny. It's it's boring. It's boring. Mm-hmm. Though I will say too, interestingly enough, uh, thirty to forty percent of conversation is self disclosure. Different levels of self disclosure, I would think. Yeah, I, I would think too. It's not it's not deeper secrets, but like it's people yeah. talking about themselves and what what their experiences are or something like i do Mm -hmm. think that you know uh like easing your way into to not filtering and self-disclosing more is finding those you know this the deep stuff and there's the not so deep things yeah sure yes this is just even making me think about like i think part of maybe why that Oh, I don't have the thought fully formed. Feels uh-huh. good is right. Even what we're working on so much, like the basic of most therapy, is right. Yeah. Like externalizing it, like saying it out loud, piece or writing it down. This thing that is such yeah. a like amygdala or limbic system formed thought, and turning it into like a actual linguistic cognitive thought. Um, yeah how helpful that is like oh mm-hmm. why do i feel that way or why do i think that or oh that makes sense why yes. i would feel this way given the circumstances yes. yes how good that feels right like that's mm-hmm. so much we're trying to to work on with people so they can understand yeah. themselves better very that, like, much so that makes sense kind of in talking to other people why you would like as part of that piece of like oh i'm thinking this or i'm yeah feeling this way and even just saying it out loud and especially saying it out loud to another person and have them hear it and support it like feels good it helps you to feel more like understandable or make sense oh, of things totally totally i i think you know if 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 we had like a 
cheat sheet of the most of the basic like psychological health things i think my shortest one would be some version of uh what am i feeling name it why am i feeling that <laughs> I can't find my microphone. I don't know where it is. Um, yeah, it, it'd be what emotion am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? Where am I feeling it? And then uh, bonus points telling somebody that. Yeah. Like, do that. And, and that's going to take care of a chunk of your mental health right there. That's the like intake session simple thought record that at the end of every intake session okay this week (laughs) what was the situation what were you feeling physically emotionally how intensely what were the thoughts like yeah and then then, yeah as we're like moving through therapy you know months later like this thing happened what should i do i'm not feeling great Hey, remember that simple thought record we started at the very beginning. Let's pull that out again. <laughs> we'll be forever helpful. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a it, it's super helpful. And you're right. In order to, you know, uh, like share, especially if, if we're on the topic of like sharing like emotional content, right? Um, in order to share emotional, or especially negative emotional content, you've got to identify that you're feeling it and then yeah you got to put it into english you got to translate it from sense into words and then tell that to another person and so the act of you figuring out what it is maybe even through saying it but saying it having them listen attend to it accept it respond thoughtfully um yeah that's very very healing mm-hmm. it's and it's, it's interesting right because like this i feel like this kind of gets us into that next chunk on the why are people mm. filtering? Why are they mm. not self-disclosing? If it feels good, if it fosters connection and trust and closeness, and all, why? I why? Are, yeah, why are we not doing it? Um, and yeah, one of those pieces I think is the communicating of negative information feels risky. Sure. Like this, this this one that I hear a lot is some version of like either. Um, Oh, they already have problems. They don't want to hear about my problems. Or their problems are bigger than mine. Mine don't really matter in comparison. Or nobody wants to talk to a downer. Um, like some version of this, like, people don't want to to hear me express negative things. They only want to hear me express positive things. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do you come across that one too? Um yes yes more of like yeah i've got to have it all together kind of thing um Mm -hmm. or people will like judge my choices i think that's been with one client specifically more than i need to come across as like i'm making good choices Uh uh-huh or people will like judge me for it um Uh yeah 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 a lot of like perfectionism Uh uh-huh so i yeah so high performance standards mm-hmm. to, to, be, to be acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, but I could see those pieces too, but it's sort of like, like what you were saying before of like, if, you know, if somebody only tells us the good stuff or only tells us how great they are, mm-hmm. do you really want to hang out with them? Do you really like feel like you can relate or they could relate to you? Cause you're not. Yeah constantly experiencing only good all the time no no um yeah and one thing i i don't know like the research on this but just like anecdotally and clinically speaking something i often say to clients when they're afraid of like oh it'll be a burden if i were to express you know difficulties Mm -hmm. to someone i'll say like well if somebody expresses their difficulties to you do you think of them as a a burden like oh no no it's great because like (laughs) i can be helpful then then i'm being useful i'm like well yeah maybe the very same thing is true in reverse like it feels good when somebody reaches out to you it means like they trust you or they value your mm-hmm. opinion or your advice or you know like that's a very um connecting yes. and um uplifting even right it like makes you feel good about yourself yeah very, very much so yeah 
I have many, many studies to talk about on this thing, which I won't get to, to all these. But yeah, I, I, I think what you're saying is it, it's totally right, especially that idea too of like the rules are different for me than they are for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I like it when they do it, but they will dislike it if I do it. Um, that's a like that's I think that's behind like a lot of the perceived risk in in um, being authentic, whether it's like being imperfect, having vulnerabilities, negative emotions. Um, there's there's just this is a bunch of research that shows that we. Um, we underestimate how much people will like it and we overestimate how negative they're going to think it is. It's, uh, and it's, it's, just, it's just this documented, like, um, like, kind of misperception. But, like, we have a bias around this. Yeah. Yeah, we, mm. we, think, we think that people are not going to like it, but when we imagine them doing it to us, we're like, oh, I'll feel closer and connected and I'll help them. I'll be glad they told me and all these things. Mm-hmm. But then when we're imagining it to someone else, we we think uh, they'll be kind of be judgmental or it's going to be awkward or some, you know, some, they'll be mad or something like that. Okay, and then this is like a podcast for another day. That is such a universal experience. Mm-hmm. At least clinically speaking, right? And that's like a you know, basic therapy technique, like what would you say to yeah. a friend if they were in the same situation, yeah. right? How this, yeah, this bias of how we treat ourselves or the standard we hold ourselves to is so mm-hmm. different than we would hold other people, especially other people we care about too. Very much so. Yeah, this is, uh, it's going to be a little too nerdy for today, but... Oh, I bring on might, the it, nerd. T- no, no. It might be related to construal level theory about how sort of close or far far away are we thinking about it from this wide abstract perspective or are we thinking about it from a really close close focus perspective like are we so the the idea is that there's if we're thinking about other people we think of it from this wide right. perspective and we see we're likely to see all the good in it we think of our own perspective we just hyper focus on like negatives and and the downsides and yeah we anyways probably a piece a piece from some of these theories at least of um of what's going on but but yeah for for this particular case yeah we we underestimate how much people are going to like and respond to these things even negative emotions like people like mm-hmm. this the studies around that yeah and i'm sure you know this isn't as much of the work that we or at least you know have been trained to do i'm sure there is like an early experiences component to this, right? If you had very harsh um, caregivers, you know, or people in your close circle when you were young, obviously that probably influenced how rejecting or, you know, people were to your authentic experience. So obviously that probably plays a role in how you think the broader world is going to experience you or how safe it is to be able to be more vulnerable totally. with people. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's that, that's one of the, like, in answering that, like, why, why would people be afraid of showing who they are? Why would they be afraid of expressing emotions or giving opinions? Yeah, it's, it's going to be because they learned at some point it wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. It was dismissed or it was criticized or something. It was, you were taught that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Especially like, especially with one people who are like, oh, well, like, I don't want to burden them or nobody wants to hear it from someone who's down or, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's coming from somewhere. Sure. So, I mean, I think of this in being a parent all the time. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, you know, there's the one part of you that's like, oh, I want my kids to like, be the best citizens they can be and, you know, put their best foot forward and have the best opportunities. And then thinking about like, uh, there's also the piece of right. My ultimate, any other people can do that. My ultimate job is to just be this like unconditional source of love and support. (laughs) And so how to, I often remind myself when I'm like nagging about Uh, things too much, it's like, shut up and just say, I love you. You're a great kid. (laughs) You're doing Mm -hmm. great. I love how you have, done this (laughs) so 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you agree with that. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I think it, um, something to, yeah. Yeah. Plays a role. But yeah. Yeah. I think the, the why of that stuff. Yeah. I think some of it is, is that like, yeah, having not experienced the, like having not had those caregivers or close people who, who have responded to self-disclosure with acceptance mm-hmm. and caring and encouragement, um, or who've responded by being annoyed or irritated or emotional or attacking or criticizing, you know, Rejecting learning, or just, or yeah, learning even, to hide. Yeah. yeah, even of like non, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like, yeah, completely avoidant, like not even responding. Totally, yeah. And, and you know there's a lot of that out there. Like, like people, like a lot of people will have been through that experience. So if they have trouble, like if someone has trouble self-disclosing or revealing the true self or not filtering, it, it's because that was a coping method sure. that they learned to do because they had to. I always find too that clients... Back then. Yeah, yeah. I always yeah. find to the clients find it helpful to hear like some of the evolutionary... Sorry, these are kid headphones and they're like squeezing my <laughs> giant head. Um, that... Uh, the evolutionary piece of it too of why you know like i i don't understand like why i i might know these things why is this something that like i don't always have a say in why is this something that just like happens so automatically in me and so i think sometimes hearing that piece of right we for you know hundreds of thousands of years needed other people to be alive you would not survive very long without your tribe without other people and so getting yeah. rejected by people is very dangerous, yeah. has been very dangerous, maybe less so today, but still, right? Like you don't want to get pushed out of the tribe because we need other people yeah. to survive. Yeah. We're not very good at, at, we're not, whatever, polar bears. We don't have a lot of like great natural resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're pretty weak. So we need our group to be able to, to survive and thrive. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, this isn't something that you like choose to turn on or have happen it's something that like just innately is incredibly important to us as a species is to have acceptance from each other yeah yeah and not from everybody you don't need it from everybody luckily you mean you really need like one person like like that's the that's the biggest difference is from from zero to one Mm. yeah from zero from zero to one close connection is what matters the absolute most you don't need a hundred percent of people. In fact, it's, it's don't. Yeah, pointless. good luck. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the more that you show yourself, the more likely you are to, you know, sort out who who actually connects with you versus who doesn't. You know. Yes. If you got to perform at this level in order to like have people be connected with you, uh, you're probably you're probably better off um, being yourself and finding people that actually like you because you don't need that many of them. I always say too, like if you had, you know, a thousand best friends, how exhausting that would be. You would never have a moment to even sleep because you'd be having to put so much effort into like calling your friends and getting together with your friends. You wouldn't have time for a job, right? Like you would have to be yeah. investing in those relationships twenty four seven. Yeah. So that's not actually super yeah. helpful. So not many people are gonna make it all the way huh. down to this because you won't have time for them. And so mm-hmm. some will or it will float back up. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think if, if there's any any other, other things I wanted to get to about the um I mean not really, right? Yeah, that's d- disclosing him. I mean basically Why plenty of studies. Yeah, plenty yeah, that that uh yeah, that sort of the, the fear of the response of others or basically the, the fear of you know, rejection or punishment and we just have a ton of research showing that revealing insecurities and vulnerabilities even like negative emotions, people respond by feeling closer and liking you more and wanting to help. And this, this inevitably happens with, with folks I'm working with when they take the risk of doing this. They inevitably find that the, their, their friends or whoever have respond much better than they anticipated. And they feel closer afterwards. And it's, this is also one of those, like, those relationship lessons. It's good for, good for, for younger people to learn. You show yourself and you disclose and that gets accepted. It brings you closer together. Even even when you're revealing something vulnerable or like weak. Something you don't love about yourself, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Like weakness, I hear about it. It's one of those reasons to not reveal things. But time and time again, that's what you find. People are like, well, I'm closer now. You feel closer because you've shown your true self and that's been accepted. Mm-hmm. You loved despite this thing. You loved for who you actually are. And there's nothing more powerful than that. That's like as powerful as it gets, you know? It's like that uh, one of the few accurate things in that Goodwill Hunting movie where um, uh, Robin Williams was like, you know, the reason I love my wife so much is because of the imperfections, not because she was perfect kind of piece. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's it. And that's it's true. That's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I think yeah. Uh-huh. with Go. these clients, I'm thinking specifically too, just like yeah. how much more enjoyable it is, right? To like have more authentic convers or be more authentic in your conversations because oh, yeah. it just takes mm-hmm. so much less work, right? Yeah. You're not constantly did I say the right thing? Should I say that? No, I shouldn't say that. It, Should it just flows, right? Yeah, yeah. The filter takes so much energy, and it's hard. It's effortful. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, letting it go. Like when when we do this in sessions, I'll we'll we'll say we are specifically dropping this in the safety of this this therapy session. We are dropping the filter, and we're just gonna have. It's gonna say whatever comes to mind. It's not getting filtered out. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, it doesn't matter. And the prediction is that it'll be really boring. It'll go nowhere. I'll have nothing to say. Blah blah blah. What ends up happening is we'll just have this great, easy, flowing conversation because it means like conversation works because someone says something and it lights up you know those old you know Warner Brothers light bulbs go off and then you say that and the other person's light bulbs go off and it flows that's how it flows and then the filter and the cutting it really cuts off the ability to converse it's hard work for both people Mm -hmm. well yeah I always love how you talked about that too of like there is just more content when you reduce that filtering because yeah. you know you're saying more things, and that yeah makes them have connections of like oh that makes me think about this. You said this yeah. kind of random thing. Oh, that makes it, there's just more exactly. content there, so there's totally. more avenues for those conversations yeah. to go down. You know, as it, opposed to there's like it's a skinny. Totally, it can go you know? all kinds of places. Yeah, and and it can be really interesting when it goes, you know, little side paths and avenues and roads that you haven't driven on. Get interesting stuff down there. Much um, like these podcasts. <laughs> podcast <laughs> sure the um the um one of the i was going to mention one of the other like uh exercises i do for this sometimes which i guess maybe you could try on your own it's kind of pray, t- pray tell yes is um where you have a conversation uh but it's just told through reciprocal stories right so you tell some story about yourself and your life and some experience you've had and then the person tells that story and you were just waiting for some light bulb to go off for it to remind you of some story of your own. And generally it'll be something on a similar topic or some type of experience you've had. You'll just, things just remind you of other things. And then the other person will then pick one of those things that has popped in and they will share that story. And then that will trigger someone else's one and they will share that story. And you just basically see how long can you go just telling these personal stories back and forth. That's how a lot of great, close, bonding, connecting conversation occurs. Mm-hmm. Mutual self-disclosure. Yeah. Well, I'm, I've gotten this from you, but I have clients where we practice on purpose having you know a few-minute conversation, very filtered, where we really plan out what we're going to say, or we really you know yeah. filter out things not to say. And we do that for a couple minutes, and then we do a few minutes long conversation on purpose of like a 50% filter if they're not feeling, you know, able to do, you know, completely take it off. Um, And then, you know, okay, when we're feeling ready for it, let's try one for a few minutes with zero filter and see how it goes just to kind of get that comparison piece of, right, is it really that having this filter was so much better, had a better conversation, was more enjoyable, kept yeah. me so much safer, kept me from saying really inappropriate things, kept mm-hmm. me from being super you know, offensive or a downer, right? Getting to have that like back-to-back experience, I think has been helpful with clients too. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then I okay, assigned so we, that homework, yeah. yeah, getting into the how, how to do part of it. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like we we've already we've already found ourselves there. So, <laughs> what, what what else would you add? Oh, I was just gonna say that that's the homework that I've recently given to clients and had such success with. Of like, okay, maybe it doesn't feel doable, you know, to take it off completely. But in some of these yeah. specific situations, and I've had some clients. This one client in particular, there was like very specific situations where he felt it was doable to try. He's like, okay. When I'm with my family in the evening, we're watching mm-hmm. TV after dinner, then I can try. <laughs> like, like very specific as to when it would feel who and when most people to try it out, yeah. you know, only to this degree. And it's gone great. And we've really practiced it then in like kind of different yeah. settings. Again, yeah. which is so, it sounds kind of so strange, but to be like 50%, I think still feels like, okay, I can, I can still be yeah. a little bit safe, you know, I don't have to... I can still control myself a little bit or, mm-hmm. you know, put a cap on this a little bit. Um, and so increases the willingness to try it and have had just like such success of enjoying awesome. themselves mm-hmm. more and, you know, getting to have that, you know, experience of, oh, wow, it wasn't that I was dropping F-bombs to my grandmother. You know, <laughs> it wasn't like wildly inappropriate in all of these situations that it was, it was okay. Yeah. That's that. That's great. That's great. Yeah, because I, I, I'm I'm with you on that. The the way to start is if if you're not currently self-disclosing and you're protecting and you're hiding your authentic self, then any time you find you're too anxious to do something, then find a much smaller version. Yeah. Whatever. What whether it's putting it for fifty percent, whether it's picking one particular thing you're going to self-disclose. Or it's it's uh, doing it um, like picking just the safest person you can think of to, to self-disclose to, or doing it in a, like a, a context that feels safer, like doing it over text instead of in person, alone sitting in a room, you know, like what, whatever makes it feel like more doable. Just that the perfect step from where you are is one step. That's sure. always that's always the perfect goal is one step away from where you are. Mm-hmm. And you can escalate up over time, but I think yeah, that's that's a way to do it. Like these little, little tasks, and then slowly escalate when it goes well mm-hmm. and goes fine. Yeah, and on a cognitive level, like testing out the beliefs. Like what are the beliefs that are preventing you from showing yourself? What are you what are you imagining the response is going to be? And there's a very you know like just in general. Anytime we find beliefs in the anxiety world, we just want to automatically be skeptical of them. Like, just automatically be like, I have this belief, but there's a really good chance that it's wrong. So rather than just assuming it's right, I'm going to assume maybe it's wrong, be skeptical and test it out. Mm-hmm. And so being clear in the, you know, what are you assuming? And then how can you test it out a little bit at a time? And I think it's important that aspect too though to work on again you're externalizing this as like anxiety right because i will have some clients where they're like i know i was wrong I'm like no, no no no, that's not what we're trying to work at here this is not like a you silly person shame on you for having that thought it's like anxiety had this prediction anxiety said this is definitely what was going to happen a hundred percent um and so getting to see that like maybe anxiety's predictions aren't super accurate yeah yeah and and also to bear in mind that those in, on the same lines as the de-shaming version of it um, you didn't come up with this you and anxiety your anxiety didn't come up with it because of a faulty reasoning process it came up with it because it was a way of coping that allowed you to survive some situation that you found yourself in in your mm-hmm. younger times it sure. was it was it was dangerous for you to do this at the time at the time with probably someone in particular it was going to be dismissed or attacked or rejected or there was going to be some... It, it was dangerous to do. So what all you're doing now is just trying to get that, the emotional part of your brain, the anxious part of you, trying to like, you know, teach it in a kind way. Mm-hmm. Um, that things are different now. Yeah, I can cope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and my, my one final note on this because I think this is this is so wonderful, and I went back and checked on this. Um, 
Like a lot of people are not going to, you know, we have those levels from like way surfacey all the way down to the deepest, darkest secret. I think I saw, saw in my research that on average people have like five secrets they've like never told anybody. So it's a lot that, that everyone's carrying around with them. Hmm. Um, and it is the kind of stuff that's going to feel like maybe that's just too deep to be able to trust trust people on. Um, just disclosing it, you can you can disclose just by writing things down. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah, not saying it out loud. Yeah, not even give it, say it out loud. Write it down and burn it. Like mm-hmm. type it out, delete it. You can still get a lot of the the expression thing. Mm-hmm. It's still you being authentic. Your your body will still get that feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, it's even better if there's a person who's um. But it's even just like that. It. What we're talking about of like, right? The using some of those thought records of like, what was the situation? You know, yeah. what was the yeah exactly? What was the feeling? What was the thought? Yeah, just kind of yeah. shifting, and, it. shifting right it. If you want a beautiful, wonderful, very touching bonus bonus points to get bonus points then um have you ever heard of post secret is this where they like write write a letter to someone anonymous okay so yes yeah so so what it is it was this i think it was an art project originally where somebody asked people to anonymously on a postcard write their basically their deepest secret it's anonymous and they send it in and it gets uh, published and seen by people. And it is like at some point, go to postsecret.com and look at it. It is just the most touching thing. Or, or you can watch um, YouTube videos that show a lot of them. And it's just seeing like your fellow humans. Being human. We're all, we're, we're all the same. And you just see the things that they're saying. And you will notice when just your own reaction, because I used to do this when I would teach classes, I would show these videos of them. And just seeing like everyone's reaction to people's deepest secrets that they can't tell anybody being revealed, it just causes such, um, such an emotional, an, an, an empathic, caring, emotional response. So it's bonus points, go, go look at that, go see this stuff, and if you want to, that is that is a place you, you, you can do it there there if you don't want to and that's sort of a way of saying too if you don't want to go tell someone who knows you these you know practice sharing yourself there's a lot of ways where you can anonymous anonymously share yourself mm-hmm. get support yeah. yeah 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 so okay good yeah. uh good antidote to uh social media we forgot to talk about one thing. We just did a whole <laughs> podcast on reducing your filter, being more vulnerable, um, which is something that people with social anxiety especially struggle with. And we forgot to mention Dr. Smithyman has a book coming out. Tell us all about it. Yeah. So some advance warning that this book that I've been working on for God knows how, I don't know, 10 years is, uh, is finally going to be coming out. Um, spring of this year uh, so yeah if you've got social anxiety or you're interested in social anxiety topics it's it's a dating anxiety book so it, I mean it's social anxiety it's all the same information topic it's just picking a particular um, subset of, of social anxiety but the principles are all exactly the same where can listeners find this book you know that's a that's a great question it's currently nowhere but you we're recording this in January of 2022. If you listen to this in like April of 2022 or onwards, you will be able to find it on my website, thomasrethyman.com and Amazon and whatever the other Amazon places are. And I'm sure like we will have some kind of setup that involves clicking something from the podcast that taking you there. That's great. I think we're about out of time. I think we are and uh yeah sounds good thanks for thanks for listening and um yeah yeah feel free to self-disclose to us yes and that's what we do what for your living. favorite topics would be oh uh, yeah and please like us and subscribe and share i think those are the that's the lingo um i think so yeah 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 and tell your friends we'll, um, and, and write reviews month. about us yeah 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 and we'll, we'll- 
Definitely next month, unless definitely something next month. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. See you next time. Bye.